When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to another Friday Headlines episode. If you are sick of all the Britney Spears memoir bombshells in your newsfeed. I've got you covered. We're talking about some real news today. We're talking about environmental need-to-know headlines that you may have missed because of all the Britney Spears coverage. So the first part of our show today has to do with some melting ice and the causes for that melting ice. Hello, fossil fuels extraction. That's all in part one. And then in part two of today's show, after the break, I have two completely unrelated stories for you. Still related to the environment, of course. So let's go to Antarctica. A new study published on Monday of this week found that accelerating ice losses are, quote, unavoidable this century in the vulnerable West Antarctic ice shelves. And that's all due to the fact that the waters around these ice shelves are warming. Now, what does this mean? It means that the scientists... Those scientists who predicted just, you know, a couple inches of sea level rise before the year 2100, they were wrong. They were too conservative in those predictions. I'm going to say that another way so we're all clear. It's worse. The situation is worse than the scientists predicted. Now, the study found that regardless of how aggressively humans act to reduce fossil fuel emissions and thus, of course, limit how fast the planet heats up, the waters around some of West Antarctica's glaciers are going to warm still at a pace three times faster than they have in the past. This is expected to cause, and I quote, widespread increases in ice shelf melting, including in regions crucial for ice sheet stability. Now, unlike thin and floating sea ice, the ice shelves are thicker and hold back massive glaciers. And the glaciers, of course, contain far more ice. And the study's lead author said that, quote, it appears we may have lost control of the West Antarctic ice shelf melting. Now, this new research underscores what dozens of studies have already said for the last three decades the West Antarctic ice sheet appears to be headed for collapse. Now let's talk about sea level rise for a minute. The latest report from the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released back in March of this year predicted that only about a third of a foot of sea level rise by the end of this century will occur because of ice losses in Antarctica. But this new research, it contradicts that report. 
doesn't it? This new research finds that much of ice shelf losses, they're already locked in, given how much the planet has warmed since we began burning fossil fuels. And so some academics, they are shouting from the rooftops that this study highlights not only the urgency in reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, but also, and here's where the asterisk really comes into play, we also need to be adapting coastal communities now for the effects of climate change and sea level rise, because it is inevitable. Now we're moving on to Chevron and Hess. Chevron, which is the second largest U.S. oil giant, said on Monday that it is acquiring Hess, which is a medium-sized rival. This deal is valued at $53 billion. And this acquisition, it continues the pattern that we've seen in the oil industry, which of course is consolidation. But the reason I wanted to cover it today is because this consolidation highlights the confidence that energy companies have in the future of fossil fuels. The fact that Chevron is paying $53 billion to acquire a rival tells me and you and all of us that fossil fuels giants believe that fossil fuels are here to stay. Now, the big prize in this acquisition is the drilling site off the coast of the South American country of Guyana which, in its partnership with ExxonMobil, is producing 400,000s of barrels a day. That's up from nothing <laughs> four years ago. Output, their output is expected to triple by 2027. Now, of course, environmentalists, they are critical of this deal, as they were of ExxonMobil's acquisition of Pioneer earlier this year. A representative of Fossil Free Media said, quote, Chevron's acquisition of Hess this week is yet another concerning sign that the fossil fuel industry has no intention of slowing down. Deals like this lock us into greater fossil fuel dependency and greenhouse gas emissions for decades to come. So let that sink in as you also think about our first story, which detailed the West Antarctic ice sheet that appears to be headed for eventual collapse. Now, of course, Chevron has something to say. Chevron gave its conventional greenwashing response by reminding the public that the company is building new abilities to capture carbon dioxide and bury greenhouse gases in the ground or recycle them. Now, speaking of carbon capture... Let's talk about that a bit more in our third story today. Climate and energy experts, they've said it for years. The world is going to need some amount of sophisticated carbon capture to get to that net zero carbon emissions. The International Energy Agency estimates that the world will need to be able to capture 1.2 billion tons of CO2 per year by the year 2050. The world's total carbon capture, by the way, at, as of this moment in time, is at just 4% of that number. Now, we have done a deep dive into carbon capture on this podcast before, and I will link to it in the show notes. It's really informative. And if you missed it, you definitely should check it out because carbon capture is going to be getting an awful lot of attention in the next decade, and you want to be able to talk about it confidently, and you want to be able to have opinions on it. 
So I'll link to that in the show notes. But every year, companies around the United States are capturing about 18 million metric tons of CO2 from the smokestacks, from the natural gas processing plants, the oil refineries, and the power plants, okay? So it's good. They're capturing this because as long as the CO2, which, by the way, 18 million metric tons of it, that is equivalent to 4 million cars on the road. Because as lo- So as long as all of that is captured and is buried underground, it will not contribute to global warming. That's if they do that. That's not what's happening. Today, 60% of 18 million metric tons that's captured does not go back into the ground and get buried. Instead, it's used to extract more oil from the earth. This is known as enhanced oil recovery. And guess who's paying for it? Guess who's paying for this CO2 to first be captured and then used to extract more fossil fuels from the earth? Guess who's paying for it? The U.S. government. That's who. They've been quietly funding enhanced oil recovery for over a decade. And of course, they've been quiet about it, right? So let's just all remind ourselves about how oil is extracted from the ground. It's a three-part process. In part one, natural pressure pushes oil towards the surface. In part two, drillers inject a fluid, which by the way, the fluid is usually water, and you would know that if you've been listening because drilling for oil is an incredibly water-intensive practice. So drillers inject a fluid, which is usually water, to get more oil to come to the top. And then in the final stage of oil drilling, CO2 can be injected into the well where it mixes with the oil, expands, and propels the oil toward the surface. That final stage is called the enhanced oil recovery, where we're taking CO2, we're injecting it into the ground, but only as a means to get more oil. Enhanced oil recovery is used in about 4% of U.S. oil production. It's used in a major oil field called the Permian Basin. It covers West Texas and Southern New Mexico. And so some experts argue that The climate impact of enhanced oil recovery is a net positive. The oil is still at this moment in time going to be drilled anyway. And capturing the CO2 prior to injecting it into the well is good practice as we seek to become better at carbon capture. However, there's lots of people, including myself, who are not happy about this. The government should not be helping companies extract more fossil fuels from the ground, especially since the U.S. government has promised to reach net zero carbon emissions by 2050. How on earth are we going to do that if you're quietly funding the extraction of more fossil fuels from the ground by using this technique called enhanced oil recovery? I will link to the article that I read in the Washington Post in this week's show notes if you want to get into it a little bit more. But the question that arises in my mind (laughs) is this. Are we as a nation actually trying to shift away from fossil fuels? Or is it all talk? Is it all just talk? So we're going to take our ad break. And then when we come back, I have one more story for you. And in it, I am introducing you to a perhaps climate warrior. I'll see you in a minute. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. 
As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. Before the break, we discussed melting ice, and we also discussed what on earth the fossil fuels industry is doing. They're consolidating, and they're continuing to drill. Now we're on to my final story for you today. And I want to be clear, it's not a news event per se, but it is a person that we all should be paying attention to. And that is Governor Gavin Newsom. If you're not familiar with Mr. Newsom, he is the two-term Democratic governor of California, He's relatively young, I believe. He's 56. And in some ways, he is the climate warrior we all need. He has signed a bunch of laws and regulations in the state of California to speed the state away from fossil fuels. He's banned the sale of new gas-powered cars by 2035. He's added a mandate to stop adding carbon dioxide to the atmosphere by 2045. California has nearly stopped issuing new permits for oil and gas drilling, and Governor Newsom wants to end oil drilling in his state also by 2045. The Newsom administration is suing the world's largest oil companies for the climate damages linked to their products. EV stations in California, excuse me, EV charging stations in California are going up at an extremely rapid pace. And last month, this is the coolest thing of all, Governor Newsom was the only American invited to address the United Nations about climate change. And when he addressed the UN, Mr. Newsom called out the fossil fuel industry for what he called decades of deceit and denial. So I wanted to cover Gavin Newsom today because he is an up-and-coming political figure with a good track record as his decisions and laws relate to the environment. I also want you to pay attention to him because he is widely believed to be preparing for a White House run in 2028. 
Now, as with all politicians, some people love him and some people hate him. Before we say goodbye today, I'm going to give you both sides. The people who love him see that his zeal is the proper response to the wildfires and storms and drought that have hit California just this last year, all, by the way, which have been made worse by climate change. Three in four Californians think it is necessary to take immediate steps to counter the effects of climate change. And I should say here, too, that Mr. Newsom's posture as that climate warrior could help him in 2028 when younger voters will dominate the electorate. Okay, so that's one side. The other side, of course, and the people who don't like him argue that Governor Newsom is charging ahead with plans to really slash into emissions and shut down drilling with little regard of how to manage the economic fallout. In other words, he's great on rhetoric, but he's not great on policy. Opponents also say that his climate policies are so ambitious that they're unrealistic, which makes his policies impossible to scale on a national or global level. So again, I bring up Governor Newsom today as somebody who I want you to pay attention to as the months and years roll on in anticipation of 2028. Listeners, we will be back on Tuesday for our regularly scheduled interview. We will be discussing microactivism. Hey, guess what? We're all activists. <laughs> Whether we're in the streets picketing or not, we're all activists. And Tuesday's show is designed to get you to figure out what type of activist you are and how you can best help the causes you care about. I'll see you then. Have an amazing weekend and take care.